And again, you didn't talk through the intro. I know. It's amazing that I didn't talk through something. It is. It is. It's exciting. I've it's been talking fun. through the majority of my life. I, so. <laughs> I've been interrupting people my entire life because what I have to say is urgent. Right. My dad said that I was kind of slow to talk and then made light of the fact that once I started, I wouldn't stop. I was like, shut up. Right? Yeah. you. No need to be hateful about it. I know. It. <laughs> How have you been? I'm good. How about you? I have been just fine. Yeah? Yeah? Uh, so it was a odd day at the office today. We lost internet. I felt like we were Amish. So what... what <laughs> poor Amish took a beating in this office. What was it like living in the 70s? <laughs> well, it was worse last night because we didn't have internet at home. <gasps> because there's... Well, for one, there's a contractor that apparently can hit everything but the ground. That's uh, always encouraging. Water main yesterday, internet on the east side of town yesterday. Today, internet on the west side, but fortunately, they didn't hit the gas line. Don't so. they have, don't, before, isn't that call before you dig? Isn't right. that something we're supposed <laughs> to do? A, I think so. Where they I come out so. and like paint little, yeah. like little and lines. You might notice in the front of the, the studio that there is paint all over the place. And, and then, and then they blocked the driveway to the office. Helpful. And, yes. And then they parked in the dr- parking lot. It's easy to engage in commerce when no one can have access to <laughs> right. your building. When, when no one can get in or call us either. Right. Cause they, you know, the calling of us was not working. So today. someone sent a pigeon over. Yes. yes. Could we have somebody send us an owl? <laughs> Tell him yourself. I'm not an owl. Oh, so, I am not an owl. So it was more difficult last night. So so Justin and, and I were talking, and then Tani gets home, and Justin says, well, Dad's taking us out to dinner. And Tani said, why? And I said, because we don't have internet. And she said, oh, yes, God forbid we talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, really, I don't want to have to do that. Right, like cave people. Uh, exactly. Would exactly. you have to build a fire? <laughs> So then Justin got in trouble after dinner because he didn't do laundry and he was just sitting there. And I said, you don't need internet for the laundry son. Go do her laundry. So, Mm -hmm. because it was his laundry. Actually, that was what he was supposed to do. His laundry and the baby's laundry. Mm -hmm. It was his turn. Somewhere along the way, somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. I'm just saying I wasn't in trouble. Right. It wasn't me. Right. So. What else is happening? Well, yesterday? fortunately, I did have the internet today because I spent the day with the Murdoch oh, my trial God. in the background. What on earth? So I watched the three-part uh, thing on Hulu. That mm-hmm. was that was interesting, mm-hmm. appalling, but interesting. Sure. Um, and then I get a text from you today that we're bouncing jurors that we had to go get eggs. Right. Apparently, eggs are a parting gift at the Murdoch <laughs> trial. <laughs> eggs aren't cheap. That's, That's a good what gift. I said. That's a good gift, people. Well, somebody was like, sent me a meme, and they had created it themselves, and it was like, uh, Bubba, Papa, Papa T, and all these names that they've been calling everyone all along. Oh, my gosh. And then a chicken, and of course, there had to be eggs, and I was like, I have the funniest friends in the world. Oh, my gosh. I've That's been funny. calling the chicken David, or Dave. And I feel that he was he's really aggrieved in this whole situation and has now developed a drinking problem as a result of Bubba grabbing him and having to witness this murder. He takes the grain out of their little bird feeder and like has a little fermenting thing in the back of the chicken house and is making like mash for himself because he's okay. he's really gone over the edge. That's, That's fair. That's fair. So oh, what else is happening? Yesterday was your spouse's birthday. Yes. He received um, photographs of his presents because I did not do any shopping until the day. They of. are not coming in time. <laughs> well, weird considering you ordered them hours ago. Stop it. It wasn't that way. <laughs> it was a little that way, but it wasn't. I was looking for a specific brand. And anyway, oh, so no. he saw his pictures and he's very excited about those items. Good. What did he get? I'm excited to hear. Um, some sweatshirts for a sports team that he likes. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, good. Yes. Good. Reflecting a an unusually good performance season. Oh, perfect. Yep. Perfect. All right. Anything else? Um, going to Tulsa this weekend. All right. Oops, I said the word. That's fine. Going I, out I of town no this weekend cares. for dance. No one cares. I've just decided. No one cares. We're in Kansas. You all have figured it out by now. <laughs> Who cares? Come visit us. 
Yeah, my husband got two Chiefs shirt, two Chiefs sweatshirts for the Super Bowl. One of them is really cool. It looks like it has like the colors of the Super Bowl, like they were kind of pastel-y. Okay. And it has like fifty-seven in Roman numerals, and it uh-huh. has a little Chiefs patch. Uh-huh. So it's like nice. It's not like Chiefs, right? Like right. some of that stuff is like oh aggressive, right? Exactly. <laughs> I get it. It's red, right? I know you're a fan. <laughs> it's, it's not just red. It's red. <laughs> and mom took my mom took us out. Thanks, mom, for listening. And thanks, mom, for dinner. She took us out for dinner. So I know I was invited, and I was sad I couldn't go. Yeah, we were too busy not having internet. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Well, so I went over because I was supposed to help my dad with his stuff. Oh, that's right. Kind of hard to do when there's no internet. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I go over, and and I've got to. I love my father dearly. He's not listening to the podcast because while well, technology is moving a little fast for him, um, and and he has this thing where he feels like he's bothering me. Mm-hmm. So he tries to fix things on his own. That's not good. And that usually results in me getting a picture of something that pops up on the screen, except that we're at the tail end of the problem. Right. I don't really know how it began. Right. So the problem has been compounded. Yes, <laughs> perhaps. And, and so I'm like, okay, in the future, just send me a picture of the very first thing. He's like, well, I don't want to bother you. Go ahead. I'm bothered. Please do. Yes, I'm I'm bothered already. So right. that's fine. I wake up, I'm bothered. Right, exactly. So you couldn't possibly add to that. Couldn't be so, um, but no, I it, it's so funny because he's always so afraid that he's interrupting me. And I'm like, you're not interrupting me. I don't I don't stop everything I'm doing the second I get a text. And then he was appalled that I didn't respond to his text. No, I'm Did kidding. you tell him that you have the attention span of a net? So. I know. Yeah, I think he's aware. He raised me. <laughs> Pretty sure he knows. That that cat's out of the bag. <laughs> So, um, so no, so I go over and I'm like, well, there isn't jack squat I can do to help now because right. there's, you know, Hey, no internet. Right. Did I mention no internet? Sorry. I know. Right now this computer is a fancy paperweight. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. An so, unwieldy, inexpensive paperweight. Oh, I know. I know. And it's weird how, you know, reliant upon it we've become, but what really annoys me is, is, is the contractor who did it? Oh, they're gone. They finished their work for the day. They went home. Right. Like, well, you know, okay, let's see. Um, pop into a water main, check. Destroy somebody's internet, check. Got it. Block their driveway, check. All right, Super. boys, time to go home. Right. Well, we've done all we can do today. <laughs> Come back tomorrow for more destruction. Oh, my gosh. It was a frustrating day. It was a frustrating I'm day. I'm sorry. My day was actually pretty good. I got to... You were productive? I, I was. I was productive. Good. Good, I was... Uh, wrote some stuff, which... I always enjoy doing that. It was a little scathing, so that's even better. Um, I think that's cathartic. I do, too. <laughs> so You won't be on the receiving end of that if you're not doing shady shit, so exactly, carry on. Exactly. So, But, oh, so anyway, so back to the Murdoch. Murdoch. The Murdoch trial. Um, you had brought up how appalled you were at the cross-examination of Alec mm-hmm. by the state's attorney. So tell us a little about that. Well, the theory with cross-examination is that you're really not getting the witness to testify. You're making them testify, right? Right. So you ask them a series of yes or no questions that you use to hem them into a corner and get them to say exactly what you want them to say. Direct examination is when they'll say, well, you know, did you know your tire was flat? Well, I, you know, I saw the sensor and I was trying to drive to the, the convenience store because it was only like a quarter of a mile down the road. And that person kept screaming in the trunk and right. that was really, oh shoot, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but on cross-examination, you'd be like, you know, your tire was flat. Yes. So they should only say yes. And, right. and you didn't do anything to remedy that. Correct. Well, uh, it's a yes or no question. Right. You know, so you, you, you. Really dial in the answers that you want because there's an old adage that says you never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Unless. Unless you don't care what the answer is. So he was letting this guy give all kinds of explanation and just, you know. Long winding. Long winding stories about Papa and Mags and Bubba and the chicken and, I mean, it just went on and on. It was on. like an episode of Petticoat Junction. 
I was. Where was Mr. Trucker in all of this? <laughs> was he the gross one? Yeah, he was the grocer. Okay. Grocer. Who's Who? the gross? What do you mean the gross one? Wasn't there one of them that was like kind of greasy looking? I am. Or was that on Petticoat? Yeah. No, it was Petticoat Junction. I don't. I think. I don't know. I don't know. And there was the, Green Acres. Maybe, and you know, there was some crossover. It might crossover have been Green Acres. Because there was crossover. Because every now and then, Mr. Douglas would... It was him. It was Mr. Haney? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was gross. He was. Okay, I don't He's remember. He's kind of sloppy looking. He was sloppy looking. I say, sitting here in my old lady sweater. <laughs> I noticed you're like, looking, you're looking <laughs> particularly on fire today. Sorry. <laughs> I've got to do laundry before we go we, out of town, and I'm at the end of the rope. We are not ready for live feed. No, we're not. Video. No. So at any rate, can continue on, though. But it, it was just, it seemed to me like the prosecutor wasn't really trying to win this case. <laughs> because as many times as Alec Murdoch has lied about things, you're like, okay, well, you lied about that, right? Yes. Okay. And you lied about this. Yes. And then you just, you're like, okay, you know, 15 minutes later, and you lied about that, right? Right. <laughs> so right. you kind of paint the picture that he's a liar. Right. And there was one point where he was talking about how he, um, he had stolen all this money from various people. Um, it's because he was an addict. Right. But he said, you know, like, I still care about them. You know, I consider, you know, I love them. I can, they're good people and all this other stuff. So in fact, they are, sir. It's you were questioning. Right. But the question is then, so you don't have a problem lying to people you love, right? Oops. Uh-huh. Was that the next question? No, it wasn't. Because oh. the whole theory of the case is that he got hemmed into this corner with the finances and his addiction and the boat wreck and this Ponzi scheme he had going. And this was like the breaking point because the financial disclosures were due in the boat wreck case on the 12th or the 10th of June. And all this happened the night of the 7th. So he was trying to buy himself time to take more money, like take money out of one pocket and move it over and everything okay. else. So that's the theory of the case. And the defense is like, he loves his family. He would never do anything to hurt his family. He loves them. Well, in fact, Mr. Murdoch does things to hurt people he loves all the time. Let's go to the tape. Right. You right. know? So I don't I don't know what their trial strategy is. <laughs> I also do not understand the defense wasn't all that great today either in closing arguments. I'm like, is anybody trying to win this case? <laughs> it just it's if this if if the cross-examination presentation of this would be given during like a trial advocacy class in law school, that person would fail. That it, is something else. So, I, and I have to say, I'm, I'm disappointed that we weren't able to watch any of it together because the last trial of the century was OJ mm -hmm. Simpson and we were together for that. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like I've missed out. I feel like I've let you down. Oh, no. So. I mean, I realize that that pesky work thing gets right. in the way. <laughs> In fact, it does. And so, I missed a lot of it, too. I didn't see the majority of the testimony about, like, the financial stuff. I really only zoned in when he was testifying because I thought, well, this is going to be catastrophically bad. Because right. I thought the prosecution was just going to oh, hammer yeah. him. Oh, yeah. And instead it was like a meandering tale starring Alec Murdoch. Oh my god, that's <laughs> hilarious. Well, and I and in the day before, a couple of days before that, the uh, we were texting back and forth because his attorneys were asking the judge to really limit the scope for when right. he testifies. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, why? Because we want to make sure we'd really prefer if you not talk about all of these mysterious deaths and right. all where this money went and all that stealing and yeah. lying and, and stuff. And if we could not talk about drugs or addiction mm -hmm. um, or the fact that he has crazy eyes, I think all right. that'd be great. Could you not ask any hard questions? <laughs> and all, all I would ask for is, 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 could we just not ask me any math questions? <laughs> I'm good with anything else. Just no math. No math. Thank you. I'm good. Hard pass. Hard pass. So I think it is, um, the whole thing is just so appalling. And I, like I said, I, the Hulu has this three episode thing. It's, eh, it was okay. It wasn't, 
it was clearly rushed, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because this has been going on for quite a while. But at any rate, um, it seems like maybe there had been, I don't know, uh, perhaps a history of entitlement. It's just, we talked about this before on here. It is just unimaginable to me the stranglehold these people had on oh, this area of I the know. country. I know. They were literally like judge, jury, and executioner for everything. Oh, and the other thing is they're trying to portray um, SLED, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, mm-hmm. as like against him. It's the O.J. Simpson. The cops were out to get O.J. The cops, when they came over to arrest O.J. a couple of times, were posing for pictures with him. Right. Save it. Right. You cannot tell me that these cops didn't roll up and be like, uh, we're not doing anything to make Mr. Murdoch mad. Right. And and might I remind you when the police were at O.J.'s home and um, Kardashian, what was his name? Bob. Bob? Robert Kardashian. Oh, okay. Bob. Bab. Is we're close. Walking <laughs> clearly, were was walking away with a piece of luggage that was OJ's, and and that was okay. He just was allowed to leave mm-hmm. with what was likely important evidence, which very well could have contained. It could have something yeah. uh, of import, right? Or it might not have. And wouldn't it have been nice if we were doing our jobs, right? To know what was in there. So I just say that. I'm I'm with you. Can we not act like there was? No, and, and I would say I I would agree that there was a rush because all of the all of the well really all the, all of the circumstantial evidence pointed to him, right? Um, but you still have to do a methodical investigation. Everybody right. does still have a case to prove, right? And I don't care who is the person who's. It was just sloppy, and I don't know if that's a function of. That unit just isn't tight, like they're not on their game, or if there were ulterior motives, or it was, you know, we can chalk a lot of things up in life to not a conspiracy, just people being dumb. Fair. So I don't know, but it seems like this perfect storm of, like, they have no idea where their guns are, you know, they didn't even, he lied so many times about where he was that they didn't even know that he was at the kennels that night. Until they found the Snapchat video in his son's phone almost a year later. Oh, my. Yeah, that's the only reason I think that they're able to even go forward with this. That's and both crazy. lawyers both lawyers were, like, choking up and stuff like that. And I'm like, stop it. Really? Yes. Okay, that's just not good television. And they're choking up about – one of them choked up about his friend Paul. I'm like, you mean the one that killed the girl in the boat accident? <laughs> The one that beat the shit out of his girlfriend? Cool. <laughs> you can cut that or you can leave it in. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I I think I'll probably leave it in. <laughs> the one that lied and tried to blame it on the kid that had a broken jaw in and, the boat? Right. And, and we're going to go with alleged. Alleged. All of that was alleged. Alleged. Yes. I don't so. know. That girl's still pretty allegedly dead. <laughs> that's, that's true. I always remember that Dennis Miller bit about <laughs> death penalty. And, right. And uh, well, I'm not crazy anymore, so let me out. Great. Well, if she isn't she's, dead, then you can, yeah. She's no longer dead. You're free you to go. come right on out. You come right on out. So, oh, what are we talking about today? We're talking about, I don't know quite how to phrase it, but. The abysmal Helping. failure that is the foster care system in the United States? Your words. Your words. <laughs> yes. And I did not say alleged. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking about. No, I think it's uh, I think it's an important topic. Um it in and it's I, I think that there is such a misunderstanding about how kids end up in the system. And and that's one of the things that I, I really want to talk about because I've seen this play out more than once. Mm -hmm. And it is extremely frustrating to me when in particular a teenager is in the foster care system and adults treat them as though they're in the system because of their own actions. Right. And, and yeah, they might have behavioral issues. Certainly they might have addiction issues. Mm -hmm. They might have some other mental health issues, 
But might we remember that was brought on by the complete and total absence of any parenting, Mm -hmm. the uh, ongoing exposure to domestic violence, ongoing exposure to drug use. In one case that I had, um, a mom did drugs with her child and would drag her child to whatever local gomer she was hooking up with. I had another case where mom was a prostitute and would put the kids in the other bed while she was at work in the bed next to it. Um, and those stories just those stories just go on and on and on, and it seems to me that you know we see young children in the foster care system are like oh that's so sad oh that's so unfortunate we're still not going to do anything about it but then we see older kids in the foster care system and it's like well you know you must have done something to get here right I don't understand the victim blaming mentality of that I really don't either and you know I've seen schools really demonstrate a lack of empathy. Um, and, and granted, you know, I understand that in some instances you might be ill-equipped to handle it, but this is 2023, and we know a heck of a lot more about mental health than we did 10 years ago. We've embraced a lot more about mental health than we did 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And you, what you seem to want is every child, an A-B student, who requires no extra help and does not cause any problem at all. Right. Well, well, and and wouldn't that just be divine? Right. Wouldn't that be delightful if everything was like that? Right. And wouldn't it be great if every kid had a home where they weren't getting beaten or being exposed to drugs or just completely and totally neglected? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right. And when you look at some of these kids, unfortunately, they didn't get into the system in time. They, They didn't hit the radar screen of the state in enough time to maybe avoid some of this long-term impact. Mm-hmm. And so we put them into the system. And the extremely frustrating part of that system is when you have a front row seat to it. Oh, yeah. And I, I had, a, I had a, an example of a case where I, it's not actually even my case. I was asked to sit in um, on behalf of a foster child. The foster child asked me, who knew me, had asked me if I would mm-hmm. be his, I, I think they call it, trusted adult. Mm-hmm. And, and by statute, they're allowed to pick an adult, somebody to participate in case plans with them. And this particular child was going into what we call independent living. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it, it's, it's an opportunity for us to try and help transition youth into a more successful adulthood, help them to um, develop some skills, grocery shopping, budgeting, those types of things. So Can I sign up for the budgeting portion? <laughs> can I just sign up for the life part altogether? You won't want to as soon as you hear what comes next. And so there are five, four or five adults on this conference call. There's this teenager mm-hmm. and me. I don't classify myself as an adult. Um, the, for, but you are but, trustworthy. I, I, I am an adult. Um, these are people who this is what they do. Mm-hmm. And two of them specifically handled independent living. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that came right out was, well, so-and-so, tell us what it is that you think you may need to, to, to successfully become an adult. How was that child supposed to even know? Well, I'm not an adult. So so there was just kind of silence. And he said a couple of things. And then he said, Steve, can you help me? Mm -hmm. And I, while he was really trying to come up with some ideas, I was already writing down a list. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, how about, how do I do my taxes? How about, how do I find a home? Mm -hmm. How do I read a lease? How do I read my paycheck? How do I fill out a job application? How do I How do I understand that I'm getting paid fairly? How do I obtain medical help Mm -hmm. when I need it? Mm -hmm. Oh, 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 yeah. Can can you slow down? We've got to write this down. They had to write that down? And I'm thinking, okay, this is what you do. And I. so the other thing I said was maybe the adults on the call could step back and remember what it was like when you first went out on your own and Mm -hmm. think about all of those things that you now know that you wish you knew then Mm -hmm. because he's not going to know what he needs. Right. And that to me just demonstrates the absolute failure of our system. And and I want to be clear. There are a lot of wonderful people who've dedicated themselves to social work and who are, who are busting their ass to do right. Oh, sure. And I, and I appreciate that. 
and I get that maybe it seems like it's real easy for me to sit back and, and at the 50,000 foot view and the cheap seats and, and throw shots, except mm-hmm. that I'm not sitting in the cheap seats. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the front row. I'm right. actually in the trenches with you. Right. And this can't continue to happen. Now, this boy has been in this independent living for two months, still not in a GED program. Still. Oh, my gosh. Still doesn't have his ID or driver's license, so he can't get a job. So what do they do during the day then? Well, what do you think? I don't know. Let their mind wander, go around town. Right, because that's a bad recipe. Absolutely. And, And you take people who already have a lack of faith in the system because they've been in it for so long, mm-hmm. and you take letting their mind wander, that's, you talk about a bad recipe, it's a terrible outcome. Mm-hmm. You start thinking about self-harm, you start thinking about running, you start thinking about how, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to go. I'm, I, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of people telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of being treated a certain way because I'm in foster care. Right. And all of that's real. Right. And the fact that any adult would look at a child and say, that's your fault, these are your behaviors, it really needs to step back and say, okay, yes, I understand you are coming of age, and yes, you do need to be accountable for your behaviors. But I want to go back and tie this to what I said is my greatest fear about this time of year, and that's the fact that state legislatures come together to start solving problems. Mm-hmm. You've got to address the root cause. Mm -hmm. So when we look at a child who's out of control, can we please address the root cause and stop addressing the symptom? Right. Oh, well, they're they're behaving this way, and that's why they're in foster care. Whoa, no, no, no. Having been removed from the home is a symptom. Right, and people just don't get taken out of their houses. Right. Unless the person who's in charge of the house is not doing something they're supposed to do. Right. And frequently we've got long-term, we've got multi-generational drug abuse, multi-generational mm-hmm. poverty, multi-generational mental health issues, because we're not equipped to deal with those things. And particularly smaller communities simply don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. So frequently what we see people with more out of control type mental health issues we throw them in jail because, mm-hmm. well, they were creating a disturbance, they right. punched somebody, whatever the case may be. And jails are not even remotely equipped to deal with mental health no, issues. Absolutely not. And not to be like super depressing, but when I was doing death penalty work, all of the things that you talked about, multi-generational mental health, drug abuse, substance issues, um, sex work, all of those things – were the backgrounds of every single client that I had that was on death row. Right. Because well-adjusted people who come from, they're well-adjusted because they they came from a a nuclear family or a a relatively functional family. I think I read a statistic one time that said 86% of families are dysfunctional. And I'm thinking, yeah, and the other 14% are liars. Are big fat liars. (laughs) (laughs) Because every family's got some degree of dysfunction to it. But when you look at these kids you and you look at them and you see teenagers and you see 17, 16, 17-year-olds and you think, oh, well, they think they're badass. They think this, they think that. And no wonder they're in this situation. No. And it's so <laughs> appalling to me because I, I can remember one case that I had right before Christmas. This was a 17-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And he told me, I just want somebody to tell me they love me and they care about me. And that's a true story. And, and you know, you can look at this kid and think, oh, well, what a punk. And Or you could look at him and you say, I see a kid who's on the brink. I see a kid who is broken. Mm-hmm. And he is broken by a, a system that failed him. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you this. I don't have a lot of answers. Mm-hmm. One of the answers that I do have is, is, is that we have got to stop looking at symptoms mm-hmm. and we've got to start looking at root causes of some of these issues. So if the problem is that we don't have enough social workers, then that is a symptom of another problem. What is the root cause? Are we not enticing enough people to come into that work? Are they not getting paid enough? Are we not giving them the support that they need? Mm-hmm. And when you look at some of these agencies in a state like ours, which actually contracts out its foster care system to third-party contractors, 
Which always is con- like concerning to me. Right, because it seems like at that point we are more concerned about money mm-hmm. than we are about kids. This is the private prison right right and and what's particularly troubling to me is is in a state like ours where there seems to be so much concern about what's happening with your womb Mm -hmm. we seem to be a lot less concerned about what happens to children when they're out of it exactly and that ought to enrage people i don't understand why this is even like it does. People don't make that connection. No. How? How, how do you not make that connection? And, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying, oh, these are kids who should have been aborted. These no, are people should get abortions. Point. So I want to make sure that everybody can, that, that's appalled or offended by what I just said can put their pen down. Mm-hmm. Nobody on this podcast thinks that abortion's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Not one person. And in both of us on this podcast would open our home mm-hmm. if that's what it took. Mm-hmm. And and I can tell you, in the type of work that I do, I've had two instances where children got pregnant in the system and said they were going to get an abortion. And all we did was just talk about options. Mm -hmm. We had a safe conversation. Mm -hmm. I told them, you are going to have to make this decision. I want it to be informed. And I want you to know, no matter what decision you make, you are still loved and you are still cared about. Mm -hmm. So let's just have a discussion. And both of them decided, hey, you know what? I can do this. And there are a lot of resources available to me. And you're still in the system. So, you know, there's even more help available. Right. So I want to be clear about that. I'm not promoting anything other than if we're going to be that damn worried about one thing, we've got to be worried all the way through. Right. But you can't come to me and tell me how pro-life you are and you, um, you know, are so aggressive that you yell at people who are in a bad situation and everything else, but then you make it your life's mission to cut social services and have no safety net for people that need help. And as soon as they have a kid where, you know, they're not in the ideal two parent family situation, you're like trash, right? Fuck off. Well, and the other thing too is, is, is that we're one of the few States in the union that does not have a program for youth reentry into the foster care system. Mm-hmm. You take a kid who has been in the system long term, and the one that I was talking about in independent living has mm-hmm. been in the system long term. Mm-hmm. At age 18, a child can ask out of the system, and the statute mandates the court shall release them. It is oh. mandatory, it is not permissive. But we have absolutely no youth reentry. I have worked with a state representative who has championed this three years in a row, and it cannot get out of committee. Well, of course not. There's nothing sexy about helping people. Well, there's nothing (laughs) sexy about helping those people. Yeah. It's just, you know, and people don't know that. And it's important to talk about that because people, I think that there is sort of a, oh, you know, he's in foster care. And people think, oh, well, they've got bad behavior. You know, they're acting out at school. Right. But you need to go that one step further and understand how much trauma informs your brain development and how trauma makes you act in certain ways that – what is the thing somebody said one time? The kids that need the most love are the ones that should, that are the least lovable or something along those lines. That would – That are the hardest to love. Sure. Sure. So – Well, and, and I – I wish I would have put a little more into this before we, we started, but as I was looking at some well, statistics... Well, you had plenty of time. You didn't have any fucking internet. <laughs> I couldn't look into it. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go to the library. Do you have encyclopedias? I have no idea how to use one anymore. Is there an abacus I can use to do my taxes? <laughs> oh, but um, it, it was a, an article, and I again, couldn't get to it, that talks about the trauma experienced by the parent can be transferred to the child. Mm-hmm. And, in, in, and you think about it and you think, gosh, well, you know, that's, those are environmental factors. And of course they could be. Sure. And how do we break that cycle? I think we break that cycle a couple of different ways. I think we become more informed about what's really going on in our foster care system. And by the way, folks, everybody listening to this in the United States, you have foster kids. You have them in your state, you have them in your neighborhood, you have them in your schools, and you have an obligation to educate yourself on what your state and your tax dollars are doing to help these kids. Mm -hmm. The state of Kansas had an unbelievable number of kids. Gosh, we just kind of lost them. 
Yeah. Whatever happened with that? Because people don't talk about that a lot. No, they don't. And I don't understand why. And I'm going to tell you what, again, I work with a lot of dedicated and committed social workers. Sure. But it has to be a passion. Resources is one of the biggest things that's lacking. And the fact that we, how is it over three years, we can't get a bill passed that allows kids up to age 22 to come back into the system if they need to. Kids who have been in the system long-term want out, and they want out now. Sure. They are tired of having people tell them what to do. They are tired of being treated like second-class citizens, and they want out. I couldn't handle people telling me what to do all the time like that. You can't handle five minutes of me no. asking you not to talk during the opening music. No. <laughs> well, I would have some serious issues. Right. And, and that's what happens. And it's, it is, again, appalling is the only word I can come up with. And I wish I could come up with one stronger, like gut-wrenching. Unconscionable. Unconscionable. Extremely painful to think about. And you've got these families who are struggling and, and, and every state does the same thing. They attempt to keep the family unit together. And that's great. And I understand that. And, and we try and provide services in the home. When that fails and we need to pull kids out, we've got to do better. Mm -hmm. We have got to do better. We have got to provide resources. We've got to hold people accountable. We've got to make certain that those of us, myself included, those of us who are providing services in this system are putting our absolute best foot forward. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hard. And I know that some of the, I have kids that come into my office who absolutely hate me. Mm -hmm. And it isn't because I've done anything or said anything. It's because I'm representative of right. a system that has let them down. You're just another piece of their never-ending puzzle that they can't solve. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, well, there are things I can't do for them. Mm -hmm. I can't send them back home. Right. I, I don't have the authority to do that. And in some instances, even though I'm asked to provide an opinion, I can't send them back home when there isn't a good home to go back to Sure. when we don't have electricity, when we don't have food, when we are actively using drugs, when we've beaten the child and that's why they were removed. The times that I've had kids who were removed from the home because of either severe neglect or abuse, it's heartbreaking to hear them say, gosh, you know, I just, I just want to go home. If I just hadn't complained, if I just, if I just right. hadn't talked to the, to the SRO, if I just hadn't talked to the school counselor, right. you know, if I just hadn't done this at home, mom or dad wouldn't have hit me. It was my fault. We just need to go back. It's all my fault. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about kids in age ranging from six to 17. Yeah. And well, let's go back to the social workers. And you said something about, you know, pay them better, provide them more services. What would you like to see in terms of services that the social workers had available to them, like counseling to not get vicarious trauma and burnout? What kind of things are you talking about there? Well, first of all, making sure that they're not overworked, making sure that they're not having to do that. One of the social workers that I work with, worked with, was working six days a week, sometimes seven. All she needed was some help. And nobody could seem to be bothered to give that to her. So she just up and quit. Good for her. And and I don't blame her one bit. Mm -hmm. Not one bit. I think we need better leadership. We need better leadership training. We need training for leaders to help them to identify when their staff is starting to get too close. I think we need to have, in addition to better pay, I think we need to also have some respite for social workers. Mm -hmm. Every two years, you take... A month off. At, now, see, I think we need to do the same thing for police officers. Yes. Because I think police officers, a lot of things that you see, um, it's you can't deal with that level of intensity all the time and not have not become desensitized. I, I, I think that's an excellent idea. But I think our overall work culture in the United States needs a complete overhaul anyway. You know, I regularly work six days a week mm -hmm. and, and it's, we put too much focus on work. Yes. We put too much focus on results, achieve, achieving and exceeding. And, and, and we should have goals. Don't get me wrong. We need to have goals, but continuing to cut resources while services 
oh gosh, no, I'm sorry, we're going to cut those two. Yeah. And and then we're going to piss and moan about the fact that we're not getting kids back home. And then our legislature gets together and they're ready to start fixing some problems. They're going to solve everything. And what tends to end up happening is, is, is that they had a constituent who chewed somebody's ass about one thing. And so we're going to take a relatively myopic view. And because we're really only together four or five months, we're going to work really quickly because, oh gosh, we may be together for four or five months, but about six weeks in, we do turnaround. So all of our bills have to be to the other chamber so we can start fighting. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is, is, is we end up accomplishing nothing. And or we get bad law, mm-hmm. you know, we get bad law that says every kid should have a lawyer appointed to them who advocates for what they want. Right. Well, that's great. Let me tell you about the kids that I've had who have been beaten nearly to death who only want to go home. Yeah. And you think that's a good idea? That's how it was in Nevada. And that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And then it's. What's unfortunate is a lack of willingness to say, let's take a learned approach. Let's put a committee together. And I'm not saying let's add a lot of cost to it. Let's make it as painful as possible. But what I'm saying is, is, is that we need to make fact-based informed decisions. Mm -hmm. That's what a learned approach is. Good decisions don't happen rapidly. But what if the facts don't fit my narrative? (laughs) What if the facts don't make me feel good? Oh, that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nobody wants to have those conversations. No, and, and, you know, there's so many things that we need to overhaul, not the least of which is how we choose to elect people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day... Getting on a campaign trail and saying that I'm going to overhaul the social service system and help to provide kids a better experience that are in foster care, well, that isn't going to get you elected. Right. Nobody's going to care about that. They're not. And part of that is is because we don't let them know why they should care, Mm -hmm. why that's important. And if what you want to do is talk about, well, you know, economic prosperity is what my objective is and reducing taxes. Okay, great. Let's talk about what the percentage of kids coming out of foster care are that end up in the adult correctional system. Let's talk about the number of kids who come out of foster care and have long-term mental health issues that are ill-trained and we can't, we can't get them appropriately trained to become more productive members of society. Mm-hmm. What about those kids who we've just managed to cast aside because, oh, thank God, we sent them home or thank God they asked out. And, and what does that do to your economy? Where do they go? Well, they're probably going to stay right here. Right, because they have no way of leaving. And nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And then we're not going to let them come back in, so we can't provide them any resources. So then what happens? Do they, do they end up hurting themselves? Do they end up um, committing crimes to get by? Do they just give up altogether? And then you want to talk about a loss of economic activity? Mm-hmm. Gosh, what if one of those kids held the key to, the, to cure a cancer? Oh, sure. And we just didn't know it because, gosh, well, you know, they were in foster care and we right. don't need to put much effort into it. We're already spending an awful lot of money on this. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're not spending anywhere close to enough to take care of God's most vulnerable people. I know. And it's, it's awful. these children who are a part of families who were let down a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And again, we can have the conversation about how, well, you're an adult and you're the one that chose to do drugs. Bootstraps. And absolutely. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And, you know, all of that's fine and good rhetoric on the campaign trail, but it doesn't play well in Poughkeepsie because the reality is I'd be happy to pull myself up by my bootstraps if only somebody could show me how to do that. Right. If only somebody told me what a boot was. Right. And help me to violate the laws of physics. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just, uh, we have spoken about this uh, transitional living situation and I was on like slow burn about it for two days to where it was just kind of under the surface. I was just ill at ease. I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then I finally was like, oh, that's why. That's why this is really bothering me. And I brought it up to someone who has nothing to do with, you know, what I have been doing, which is criminal law, what you've been doing, which is a lot of, you know, helping kids in the foster system and family reunification, things like that. And 
I consider them to be, you know, relatively common sense person. And they were also appalled that they didn't say, okay, here, we're going to sit down and here are some things we want to talk about, you know, in the next few months, um, the first week we're going to cover, um, like you have to have insurance for your car. You also have to pay for your tags or else you'll get a, a, a ticket and then you can't have your car and all the things that you don't think about. You just don't think about, right? you don't think about like when I was getting an apartment, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get this apartment. Here's something to make. And here's this. And all I gave my like leftover was like $10 a month for food and utilities. <laughs> That's not sustainable. <laughs> right. So, you know, my dad's like, no, you're not going to do that. And he explained to me why. And I was, you know, quite disappointed that I couldn't afford $10 a month on food and utilities. But I also, I don't think I had anything budgeted for gas either. Okay, right. So I was going to hover. Budget? To work. <laughs> What's that? And where do, again, you know, and your car needs regular service. You right. need to do oil changes. Right. You need to find a reputable place to do that mm-hmm. work. And, and again, how do I do all of this? Mm-hmm. And you think at 18, Imagine having spent a disproportionate amount of your life bouncing between homes that in in some instances just simply didn't treat you like a member of the family. Right. And I wish I could say that didn't happen, you but were just it a does. Paycheck. And now you're 18 and you're out on your own and you've gotten out of the system. Mm-hmm. And now I will tell you this, I know social workers who continue to help those kids. Mm-hmm. I know we've done that here right. when they're out of the system. So I, I, I want to be clear. There are people out there who are doing it, but they're doing it off the books mm-hmm. and they're doing it without any support, any help. And and that, that right there is a travesty. Mm-hmm. We need to be taking care of these kids and helping to make sure that there is a successful transition to adulthood. I can tell you as a single parent, I struggled enough helping my own kids into adulthood mm-hmm. and in, in, in making sure that they had what they needed. And in one instance, I wish I could wrap that kid in bubble wrap and I'd have kept him at home forever. Right. But that's not the way life works. Right. So imagine not having the resources, the skill, the experience, the training, the support that you had when you left home. And imagine you've had none of that. You've had no familial stability whatsoever. And you're just flat out on your own. Mm -hmm. The state's going to provide money to help you with housing. The state's going to provide you with medical insurance. And they'll, they'll provide you with an education if you didn't achieve permanency by age 16. And all of those are great things, and all of those things need to continue. But what else needs to continue is, is that helping hand mm-hmm. that says it shouldn't be an all-or-nothing thing. It shouldn't be if you stay in, well, I have to keep checking in with you every 30 days, and you have court every six. No. What it should be is, is some sort of transition. Hey, you don't have to stay in, mm-hmm. but if you do, here's a telephone number. You don't know what to do. You call. Right. And if you want us to swing by and check on you, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And if you need something, you call me. Mm-hmm. And there are, again, there are a ton of social workers who do that off the books. Sure. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't have to. No, they absolutely should not. We should care enough about these kids. And if we don't, and if you say, well, you're just liberal, you're just whatever, which anybody who knows me <laughs> knows that isn't true. Sorry, I just fell out my chair. Right. <laughs> At the end of the day, if if you want to to talk about economics again, think about how much positive economic contribution these kids can make if we simply invest in them to make a successful transition to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. What new ideas do they have? What type of education could they get? What what could they invent? Mm-hmm. What could they contribute in the workplace as a part of a of a team environment? So if you want to just focus on economics, great. Let's focus on how this investment we've made, no matter how paltry I think it is, right. this investment we made when they're youth, if we could transition them to adulthood and actually invest real money in social workers and infrastructure and in these kids, imagine what they could do. Right. And you know what else? If they made a successful transition to adulthood, gosh, I don't know. We might actually end that ongoing legacy mm-hmm. of poverty, that ongoing legacy of abuse, that ongoing legacy of multi-generational child needed care cases. Sure. It's just like my son's at uh, school and they have an office, office of freshman success. And I'm like, I hope that that doesn't end. Like... <laughs> I'm a sophomore now, so you can't go in there right. <laughs> because 
it's been very, I mean, he, I, I told him, you have to advocate for yourself. I'm not there. Right. It's not a school that I'm familiar with. Right. I don't know anybody, you know, I still know people that work at the University of Kansas. I could, you know, do this, that, and the other and try to get somebody to help him. I know nothing about this place. So you're going to have to do this. And the first call should always be the Office of Freshman Success. Like, that's your, if you don't know how to figure it out, talk to them and they'll help you. So hopefully they'll still help him next year. He might still need help. And right. I hope that that doesn't, we just don't foreclose somebody because they don't fit into a box anymore. Right. But let's, let's back up. The Office of Freshman Success is self-serving. Mm-hmm. Because if the freshmen are successful, they will continue to matriculate here. They will be successful. They'll get a degree and our numbers look good. Right. That's an investment. Oh, yeah. And it's a perfect, it's perfectly appropriate to make investments that help you to achieve success by helping other people achieve success. Sure. It's the law school that I went to, um, they had what was called supplemental instruction. Uh-huh. And it was for um, contracts one and two and civil procedure one and two. And those were the classes where they found that, that students were, were struggling the most in. So they took upper-level class, upper classmen and set up the small group instruction, mm-hmm. supplemental instruction, so that you had three or four or five of you sitting around a table with somebody who'd been through it, who did well in that class, and you could ask questions mm-hmm. because, you know, for those of you who are familiar with how law school goes, sometimes asking a question in class is is not a good idea um, because you might be on the whole rest of the hour. Right. And all of a sudden it turns into the Steve show. Starring <laughs> Steve. Right. And, um, and, and, and it worked wonders and it helped to increase scores for contracts and it helped the school to be able to um, – to be able to, to improve bar passage rates. Mm-hmm. They also provide uh, tutors to students who are on academic probation. And all of those things are no additional cost. Mm-hmm. And while they don't pay the students who are doing the supplemental instruction, having done that myself, oh my God, what a huge benefit it was. Oh, because sure. it reinforced in me what we had learned. It forced me to stay fresh there. And, and, and it, it just gave me an added edge and additional confidence when two years later, I took the bar. Sure. So those types of programs are perfectly fine, but let's not act like that it's altruistic. There right. are very few altruistic acts in right. the world and, and that's okay. Right. And even if it, even if all of these things were, you know, it didn't increase the number of people paying tuition because they stayed in college because they didn't flunk out their freshman year. And all these other things, I will say, couldn't we just do it because that's the right thing to do? Well, and, and I, I want to touch on a couple of other things. We talked about it before, the emotional support animals at the school mm-hmm. that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we doing that everywhere? Everywhere. There are some really simple things that can happen. Um, my oldest son went to a, a private Catholic school. That was a family decision. Mm-hmm. That was that's That's just all it was. And on his first day of his freshman year, like a lot of schools, it's just freshmen. Mm-hmm. There's a long pathway into the school. And on his first day, there was a red carpet, and it was covered on both sides with upperclassmen. And they are cheering, and they're congratulating, and they're welcoming, and they're high-fiving. And I think, why aren't we doing that everywhere? Right. Why aren't we helping to set the tone? I, I will tell you, it brought tears to my oh, eyes yeah. because first of all, he was a freshman already, mm-hmm. right? but but mostly because I'm like, oh my gosh, these kids gave up their last day of summer break to sleep in and they were genuinely happy to be there. And it's voluntary. Sure. And there had to have been at least a hundred kids there. Yeah. And that's incredible. And so what you're saying is a lot of this just goes back to being kind to each other. <laughs> Maybe a little empathetic, maybe <laughs> developing an understanding of how things work. You know, a lot of times we like to keep things light here. But this is something that has is troubling. This is something that should be troubling across the country. Mm-hmm. How we're taking care of our kids who, for whatever reason, without judgment, their parents can't. Sometimes things happen. Right. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Right. So less judgment, more action. 
And if we want to sit back and say we're about kids and we're about community and we're about economic success, then let's be about those things. Mm -hmm. And let's be willing to make an investment and watch that pay off. Sorry, everybody. I lost my train of thought. We took a little break in hopes that the train would like write itself on the tracks. Tragically, no. <laughs> so I want to thank my co-host for indulging me in in what is a heavier topic. Um, but I, I, I'll tell you, when she says that she was appalled when I relayed the story about uh, independent living to her, she was, in fact, appalled. I was. It was palpable. So thank you for that. I want to talk now a little bit about an idea you had for a new podcast that we're going to launch, that Weekend Media Group's going to launch. Yes. And we're going to pilot it here. Yes. It's your turn to talk. Okay. (laughs) The working title is Raised on TV or Raised by TV. I'm not sure which one. Oh, I like like them both. I do too. Raised on and by TV. (laughs) And Raised on TV kind of makes it sound like you were sitting atop the set. But Raised by TV makes it sound like I had absent parents. That's true. But the problem with Raised on TV and somebody thinking that you were raised atop a television, most of our younger listeners think a television is only two inches thick at the most. I was very, very balanced. (laughs) (laughs) My balance skills are unparalleled. Unlike Fox News, she was very balanced. (laughs) I was very balanced. (laughs) Um, so the first thing we're going to start with is uh, TV Guide has released two different iterations of the 100 best episodes of TV. I believe one was in 1997. The other one was in the 2000s. And we're going to go through episode by episode and talk about them and uh, give our thoughts on them and why we think they should be on the list. Uh, we'll also get a little snapshot of life at that time. So say it was uh, – this episode came out in the summer of 1984. So then we'll talk about the 1984 Olympics and in the, in Los Angeles and the McDonald's game that if we got a gold medal, you got a certain, like if you had a, a, a Big Mac on that event and we got a gold medal, then you would get a Big Mac for free. I don't know how McDonald's sustained that because <laughs> we got all kinds of gold medals. It was like the funnest summer ever. <laughs> <laughs> So just that kind of stuff, maybe a little trivia here and there, and um, just talk about that. So that's what's coming up for us, and I'm super-duper excited about it. There may be – I'm going to put a caveat on this because there may be some things – like if it's some obscure episode of something we can't find on YouTube, we'll do our best. Right. If it's it's the Honeymooners, which I doubt highly because, well – that's got a lot going. You want to talk about something that did not age well. Did not age well at all, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So, not at all. But if it's, you know, again, an episode of Rin 1010. Right. Then that's going to be nigh on impossible to find. Right. And you if, know. you know, we'll maybe read the description right. and maybe talk about another show that had <laughs> animals in it instead. I don't know. We'll come up with something, but right. it's possible that we may not be able to get every single episode. Sure, sure. And it's also possible that, like, if the number one or number 13 episode is something from The Sopranos, I'm not going to watch eight seasons of The Sopranos. No, and and I will, and, and as, as Stephanie well knows, I won't watch The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wonderful television, well no. written, incredibly well right. acted. Incredibly disturbing for right. me. He so, doesn't care for that. No, doesn't I don't like mafia I, stuff. I, I don't do gratuitous violence. Um, I do. I do all the time. I do, well, you in real life like <laughs> gratuitous violence. Actually, I, it, as I've gotten older and, and been around that through work, uh-huh. uh, there's a reason why I watch a ton of Frasier reruns. <laughs> yes. Um, now, if it's if it's you know an action movie. I, it's it's surreal, sure. so I, I did, that doesn't bother me. But uh, there was an episode of The Last of Us on HBO, and and I told Justin and Tony, I said, if there's another episode like this, I'm just going to tap out. I usually don't watch a lot of episodic TV uh, until probably ten or fifteen years later, and then I'll become unhealthily attached to it, <laughs> obsessed about it, and everyone's like, "Where the hell were you?" In, you know, 2004. Well, okay. Sorry, I missed it. Well, she was listening to all of her podcasts. That's where (laughs) she was. But I really, really, really like The Last of Us. 
I do too. Yeah. And I like it. Um, I, I like the actor mm-hmm. uh, who who has the main role. Um, Pedro Pascal. Yes. Yeah. And uh, or as we call him at my house, the, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> yes, the Mandalorian. Um, I, I think it's well written. I think it's well acted. And and you know, I did read an article that uh, people who had worked on the the filming of it were absolutely forbidden to say the word zombie. Oh. They are not zombies. They are the infected. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's formulaic, and mm-hmm. it's like every other zombie show, and I get hooked, and then we're going to get three episodes in, and it's going to be the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to tap out. So. Was it you that was talking about they unearthed, or they were going to redo the dodo bird? Isn't that it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it's going to have some sort of weird avian flu, and it's... Like, we're all going to get cauliflower hit. And we're all going to die from it. So maybe, you know, it's like when maybe Jeff Goldblum says, dinosaurs had their time. <laughs> the dodo had, had its chance. And it shot at this. But they're also talking about the mammoth. And I'm thinking, well, sure, who doesn't need a multi-ton unhinged animal right, walking around We have no idea streets. what their personality was. I'm just going to assume unhinged. I don't know. They could be just like big cows. Okay. It, it could can, be like Mr. Cephalopagus. I was going to say, yes. you beat me to it. <laughs> or it could also be incredibly deadly. Right. It could be like a Tasmanian devil brain <laughs> inside <laughs> a mammoth body. Exactly. One mammoth wipes out right. small villages. Just rampaging. <laughs> rampaging. Right. And I'm thinking, maybe we have other things we could work on. Right. I think that there are other things that are more pressing. Like, I don't know. The common cold. Let's start with that. Curing something. Curing anything. anything. Yes. Curing any of those diseases that they have I think those commercials be, on. I think that'd the be TV. neat. I think that'd be groovy. <laughs> I don't want to hear about the side effects, let alone your disease. <laughs> like, if that's the side effect, I'll take the disease. Thank you. Right. I Okay. So one of the things that always irritates me about those commercials, if you're allergic to my How drug. How the hell do I know? Don't take it. Right. And how would I know? One of the side effects may be death. Right. Every one of them. Death is a side effect. Super. It could cause you to get tuberculosis. What is there tuberculosis in the pill? That's the other thing. That how did that happen? Me. My favorite one was in real tiny print, but it caught my eye. So I paused it and I looked at it. May cause nasal warts. Well, that sounds pleasant. What the hell's a nasal wart? I don't know, but it doesn't sound like something it I'm not, interested in. It's on the in. inside or on the outside? Because if I got shit growing on the outside of my nose, I'm done. <laughs> my nose is problematic enough. Oh, I got a complex. Yeah. No. I could I could cut glass with mine. Shut up. It is. Uh, yeah. There's. Okay. Back to. I think we've gone off the rails a little bit here. It, Sorry it, for the tangent. If you, if you came for the tangents, welcome. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we never fail to satisfy. So. Um, oh, also real quick. Did you sign me up for your OnlyFans? <laughs> because I got a fraud, no. I got a fraud alert no. from my bank. Did you charge nine ninety nine to OnlyFans? And I'm no. like, no. And can you not broadcast that? <laughs> Good Lord. Maybe a more subtle send an owl, for example. Right. And I thought, oh God, somebody's got my debit card. Oh no, no. So, okay. I don't even have an OnlyFans. I know. We. Joke I joke about it, about it because about you know it. things are tight at home. I got a kid in college. Right. Right. And uh, surely I fit a niche market somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I tell people nine ninety nine a month, or I'm starting an OnlyFans. Right. Show. Although I listened to some TikTok about a girl that had an OnlyFans, and she was talking about some guy that wanted her to stand on a pizza in a pizza box, and that was what he wanted. And I'm like, I'd just rather show you my boobs. <laughs> Something that so weird about having seems reasonable. It, it's just no. Just, here's my tip. Thank seems you. Seems <laughs> reasonable. Oh my gosh. So, all right. So next episode is going to be a pilot. Yep. And then we're going to have to move pretty quickly. I don't know when we're going to launch. It's going to be over the summer sometime, right? Yep. Because well, we have to get. Uh, we've got to get more studio time booked. We've got to get some artwork done. Yes. Um. And then we've got uh, we've got to get another show set up on our service provider. We've got to get guests lined up. So yes, yeah, that would be very cool. That would be very cool. All right, so I'm super excited about it. I hope you guys are too. Um, you know, I I love TV. I wish that I could make a living talking about TV um, or being on TV. Being on or... well, being on TV would obviously be the goal, but 
fortunate, unfortunately, I have a face for radio. So here we are. Same. <laughs> Although on bovine waste, the guys have talked about they want to um, they want to go no cut. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to be stepping away from bovine waste. So that's going to be the captain Jeffrey and Justin taking over. Um, and they're talking about wanting to do no cut and uh, live stream on YouTube. And I'm thinking, this sounds like a terrible idea. Right. This sounds like a disaster. <laughs> so, I'll be over here with my popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And um, I can tell you the number of things that I cut out of any episode between Stephanie and I and were pretty well hinged. <laughs> right. So I mean, sort of. It depends on what time uh, of day it is. is. It depends on the day. Um, all right. Five stars. Five stars. Give it to us. iTunes or whatever uh, podcatcher you use, whatever platform is your choice. Give us the good rating and the many of the stars. Yes. And if you give us a five-star rating and you write a review and you screenshot it and send it to Stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com and you are in the continental continental United States, we will send you a... I'll do you one better. If you do it, no matter where you are, I'll ship it to you. Okay, that could get really expensive. I don't care if those people in Ukraine want a mug. I'm giving them a mug. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and uh, a mug, and we'll fill it with something. I don't know what. It may just be good cheer. It might be Hopes candy. and dreams. It could be. <laughs> Hopes and dreams, because we've given up. So. Right. You can have mine. <laughs> you can have ours. Other than that, to our Ukrainian listeners again, we say solidarity. We yeah. are with you in spirit. I think about you guys all the time. Absolutely. Keep fighting the good fight. And uh, other than that, have a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you soon. Stay safe and be well. We love you. Bye.